Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. All that doesn't matter. You know why? Because once again, for the first time in so many years, we own the Bears. <laughs> it's back. It's back. It's back, baby. It's good again. Awu, Wolf, Howl. I don't even care about our draft position anymore. I don't. You you got to you got to torpedo the last dying gasps of a Chicago Bears regime that still thought it could maybe have a shot at the playoffs. You thought they could somehow turn this around. No, you handed them a six straight loss. Guess what? They're dead. They're our rivals. They're dead. We wanted them dead, and they're dead. I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online. How's it going, buddy? Feeling good, man. I, I enjoy these Sundays when good things happen. Yeah. Sundays that. should be for good things. Yes. So it's, it's a simple slogan. And I think who will agree is third man, Ryan Matthews. Back is the motherfucking rock guy. At Ryan underscore P-O-D. Ryan, do you agree? Good things Sundays. Good things brought to you courtesy of Daryl Bevel. Daryl Bevel. Wow. We're going to talk about him today. We're going to talk about this game because, yeah, no, we're, we are going to talk about a game. We are going to talk about this game. I know a lot of people are saying the rest of the schedule doesn't matter. I don't care. This was cool. This was fun. And I think some important storylines coming out of this game, as as I alluded to, the Lions torpedo the last hopes of the Chicago Bears, 34 to 30. And the Bears are now five and seven, sitting pretty in the cellar alongside the Lions. They were at one point, they were singing pretty, man, guys. They were singing pretty at five and one. They were the toast, of the NFC. They were, they were feeling good. They didn't matter if they had to go to Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky or whoever. It was fine. They got all the pieces to make it work. It's almost like and one of the people on this podcast called them frauds when they were five and one. Exactly. They would lose a bunch of games in a row and look at them now. Probably didn't where, expect where them to lose person? this one, though. Yeah, I don't think any of us expected them to lose this one because they pulled out the secret weapon in the last da- gasps of desperation. The Chicago Bears went to their secret weapon. They got rid of and they're like, we're going to go to the one thing we know. We think we know works against the Detroit Lions. And that's Mitch Trubisky. The problem is, is that the calculation on the Bears, you see the calculation for you has changed here, brother. The calculation, the, the algebra has changed here. You thought you were bringing in Mitch Trubisky to go on the Bear. I mean, the Lions being run by Matt Patricia, but you failed to realize these Lions, brother, they're not being led by Matt Patricia no more. No, it's a new day. Yes, it is. And it's Daryl Bevel with the Lions. 
maybe that was the difference because you know what? We own the Bears once more after two bewildering, bewildering uh, offensive play calls or decisions, I should say, by the Chicago Bears to end this game. As first, Allen Robinson, like, let's talk about more like how this game played out, Jeremy, in the fourth quarter, because this game was back and forth a bit. The Lions looked kind of a little slow, a little lost in the first half. And then they slowly got it together. The Bears squandered away a third quarter, once again, scoreless. You know, but still, the Lions were down, I think, what, 23? It was like 23 to 13 at the half. 10 points down, but the Lions get that touchdown in the third quarter. They bring it in close, and then we get to the fourth quarter where the magic happens. Yeah, I mean, it felt... I think the most telling part of that game was that stat line that showed up at the very end and said, first time the Lions have overcome a 10-point deficit and win since 2014? What? Like Matthew Stafford's career was defined by games like today. And to to realize that it's been literally six years since it happened again is mind blowing. And I think maybe leading into my my what my top takeaways, like, there's Matthew Stafford. Hey buddy, nice to see you again. There you are hundred freaking yards against the Chicago Bears team that hadn't given up three hundred in a single game this year. Matthew Stafford going deep, making all making Mohamed Sanu look like a good receiver, making Quintus Cephas look like a good receiver, and and no disrespect to either of those guys. They made good plays on their own, but spreading the ball out to eight, nine different receivers, offense looking manageable against, again, a good Bears defense all season. I've been missing this Matthew Stafford for so long. His intended average air yards in this game was over 12 for the season. He was averaging just over eight. Matthew Stafford is back, and I don't know how long it's going to last. And I don't know if it was Daryl Bevel or Matthew Stafford getting his head right, but I don't care. It was so much fun watching Matthew Stafford go out there and ball out. Give me that kind of performance the rest of the way. I don't care if they win or lose. It's going to at least be fun. Well, I do need to hit back a bit just because like we did. I mean, as I'm laying out the story, we did have the interception going right into the fourth quarter. But um, Ryan, like, how are you feeling through this game? How are you feeling either going into this or what Jeremy said about Stafford or any other thoughts you had here? Well, I, I actually predicted for the Lions to win this game in, in, oh, did in you? close fashion. I did. Um, but I just thought it was because the Bears are so bad. And I lo and behold, I they're a really bad football team. Um, <laughs> Spoiler I mean, they, alert. They, yeah, I mean, they, they... But my big takeaway was that I thought through like three and a half quarters like this really looked like a Matt Patricia football team. But then just when it came to crunch time, I think Stafford turned it on in a way that he hasn't this year. And he made, you know, the necessary plays he had to in order to take advantage of, you know, a a fortuitous turnover by, you know, Mitch Trubisky that really paved the way for the Lions to win this game. So I, uh, this really felt like it felt like Matt Patricia's Lions, but it was so far away from Matt Patricia's Lions because they came away and they made plays in crunch time. Like Matt Patricia's Lions would have folded and called it good being down 10 points. I think that was the that was the shift. And I think that's where some of the optimism comes from, I think, is that the Lions did stuff in crunch time that they just did not do under Matt Patricia. 
to that end, let's go to the fourth quarter there because after the fourth quarter starts, Chicago gets the touchdown. As you say, they go back up 10. It's 30-20. And then what happens in that next drive? Matt Stafford throws an interception on a weird sidearm pass intended for Jesse James, goes right to Nichols. And then after that, Chicago punts on the three and out. And then the and then the Lions punt again. And then it's just another punt back and forth. But you expect at that point you've been picked off. You're down 10. You've got less than, I think, 10 minutes, seven minutes in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think the Patricia Lions, they'd be trying to run the ball. They'd be taking their time, not realizing where they are with the score or the 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 particulars of the game, they're just still running their game plan. They're still running like a pre-programmed robot, regardless of the situation. The whole world's on fire, but doesn't matter. The Roomba has to clean the room. I mean, does a Matt Patricia-led offense go 96 yards in two minutes and 15 seconds towards the end of that yeah, game? Yeah, that's, that's, no. that's what happens after the punts. Yeah. No, but that's, I mean, what, yeah, that's what I mean. That, that was the difference is that like all of a sudden now it seemed like there was a sense of urgency when Shocker, the new interim head coach, is the offensive coordinator. So but, but let's be fair. I mean, this was kind of going on the entire game. Not, not maybe not that to that. You know, oh, there's you know, a lot. Of, there's a lot of Adrian Peterson. I mean, a, there was a lot, lot of Adrian. Sixteen yeah. carries, I guess. I mean, I, I like, think they. There was, I was just gonna say, I think that there was a lot to the point where, like, I noticed that Carryon Johnson was off the field so much. Like, sure. I mean, we'll get into penthouse doghouse, but like, I thought like. Yes, in terms of tempo and things like that, I thought they moved a little bit quicker than they had, um, you know, in weeks prior. And that last, you know, series where they, you know, drive 90 some odd yards and score that touchdown, like that's not a Matt Patricia led offense at all. No. I just, they, uh, at some point, I think they did give up on the run. Like we did start, start seeing a lot less of Adrian Peterson. I think Patricia would have just kept running him out there just to try to, you know, establish the runner, keep someone honest. And then we had that Quintus Cephas long ball for 49 yards touchdown that I don't think we would have seen under Patricia. He would have just tried to nickel and dime down the field instead. So I think those were the two big differences there. And then I, for me too, it was just the plays coming from the defense near the end of the game as well. You, you had, you had the fumble forced by Romeo Aquara, who was phenomenal on the day. And we'll probably talk, hear his name again in Penthouse Doghouse, but he forces the fumble out of Mitch Trubisky, which was, I think at that point, like you're still down three. That's the turning point in the game right there. Like suddenly it's not just like the touchdown was cool, but you gave a minute 30 to, I mean, you, you gave not, excuse me, you gave plenty of time here to Mitch Trubisky who has been carving you up and still continue to carve up the lions to end this game. And you force a fumble on him. Then you turn it around for a quick play and a quick touchdown to go up. Mitch Trubisky still has about 100 seconds to play with, of about 90 seconds to play with at the end of the, uh, the game. And then the defense gets a stop, guys. The defense is what saves the day here because Allen Robinson, for whatever godforsaken reason, steps out before before the first down marker. And then for some godforsaken reason, Matt Nagy decides he's going to run the ball up the middle, fourth and one. Now he did have a timeout. I've seen some people saying, why are they doing that with no timeouts? They did have one timeout there. But still, that's not the place you should be going against the Lions because guess what? They stuffed them. Bam. Game over. I don't, I don't like the term the defense saved the day in this one. It might 
kind technically be true, <laughs> but they gave they up made, 23. They made two big plays. They, they did. two big plays. And, and they played a pretty good second half. I mean, they, they forced three punts. They got a turnover and they got a turnover on downs in the second half alone. That's good. But they also gave up 23 points to Mitchell Trubisky in the first half. And I mean, like you said, like you, you even brought it up, like the Bears did a little bit to themselves in the second half. I don't know how much of that defensive form performance in the second half was the Lions defense and how much of it was the Bears offense catching up with itself. Because you knew at some point, I mean, it doesn't usually happen against the Lions because whatever Mitchell Trubisky has a, a Lions voodoo doll or whatever, but he usually does. He usually makes some sort of back breaking mistake when he's out there. And guess what? He did. He held onto the ball too mm-hmm. long. He fumbled it at the right Lions time. But yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I, I'm, I came away very impressed with the offense. Matthew Stafford threw 16, 17 passes, 15 yards or more downfield, which I don't, that has to be a record for him this season. He had over 400 yards, which he only did once under the Matt Patricia era. I, 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 I'm, I'm not saying it's a complete turnaround. Yes, they ran Adrian Peterson a lot, but guess what? Carryon Johnson hasn't been any better this year. Once DeAndre Swift is healthy, which will probably be next week, I think we're going to mostly see him and I'm going to be fine with that. The Lions just they just dominated a Bears defense through the air without Kenny Galladay, without DeAndre Swift. We need to give Daryl Bevel credit there. Ryan, your thoughts? Are you giving Daryl Bevel credit there? Do you think a lot of this was the Bears shooting their, their foot off? Well, yeah, I mean, I think Daryl Bevel gets as much credit as I kind of gave him for making the necessary play calls to get the team to win the game at the end of the day. Having them go up tempo you know, score on that really long touchdown drive that put them within three and then, you know, putting his, you know, putting his proverbial foot on their throat and not settling for a field goal and a tie and actually scoring the touchdown to, um, to take the lead. I, I, I mean, I don't know if I see that with Matt, with Matt Patricia. And, um, I, I want to talk about my takeaway real quick. And my takeaway, my, my takeaway was, man, it's going to take a while to fix the defense. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I mean, the bears were the second worst offense coming into today. They gashed the lions for 140 yards on the ground. You know, David Montgomery had a couple of touchdowns. Mitch Trubisky, I thought looked pretty comfortable for like a lot of the game. Sure. Um, so yes, I mean, granted the lions were missing some players, right? I mean, they're missing Jeff Okuda. Um, but it, it it's just it's going to take time like it's clear that it's clear that not only was it a coaching problem but it's like a personnel issue too so it, it's yeah. it's going to take some time to to fix this defense yeah i think it's going to be a pretty long-term plan which i think going back to our uh coaching recommendations i know everyone says you just did a defensive-minded coach you should go get an offensive mind I think sticking with another defensive oriented coach might behoove the Lions just because, as you say, Ryan, there's a lot of work to be done here. The cupboard kind of got messed up by Patricia. It really did. Like a lot of different talent was either let go or the wrong talent was brought in or just, you know, it. The, I think the defensive plays that I am marveling at, at least today, kind of comes because of the absence of Patricia. One of the things I noticed was there were some honest to God blitzes happening. Now they weren't good blitzes because Everson Griffin was like dropping back into coverage and then getting beat by uh, um, Mooney. Mooney. I yeah. yeah. I think it was Mooney. 
and like it, it wasn't well practiced or well polished by any means but at least they were trying to give the blitz a try whereas under patricia it's just rush three yeah i mean i don't know i think i think we've been saying it for weeks like this defense is just it's a mess you can yeah. try you can try to throw lipstick on a pig you can try to fancy blitzes you can do whatever the hell you want i mean even even matt patricia at the end of his you know reign here was was trying some zone coverage was trying some blitzes like even he knew like him and, and Bob Quinn had screwed the pooch so hard that there's just no one out there. And now with injuries lining up and, and, you know, Desmond Trufant, um, I mean, just everyone like the, the run defense, which had been normally good out of the bye week. It's just awful today. There, there's, there's nothing going right there right now, whether it's, you know, everyone's favorite rookie, John Penasini didn't really have a particularly good game outside of his fumble recovery. Romeo Quara continues like to be the only real bright spot. And so, yeah, I mean, there, there's just it's this. I think I think it was Chris Burke put out a a gif of like next defense. Their next head coach comes to the Lions. What's your plan for the defense? Flamethrower to a tree. Flamethrower. Just burn it all. Start all over. You're, you're absolutely right. The, the defense was was embarrassing in the first half, and yeah, they got a little bit better in the second half, but um, I, it's it's not going to save a lot of people's jobs. Yeah. So that that's my thing though, too, Jeremy, is that I was hoping that Corey Unland would feel the creative freedom to, you know, ad lib and to kind of try something different or to, to be a little bit different than what's been going on for the past, however many weeks, because the, the head guy is not here anymore. And I mean, I can't imagine that Daryl Bevel has his hand too much in the defense. So, um, I think that part was kind of disappointing was to see, a bears offense that's so bad and a Detroit lions defense that just played like vanilla ice cream. I think, I think problem too, is that, I mean, no matter what Unland does at the end of the day, it's about the groceries he has too. These are not, I, I hate to disparage a lot of these guys, but they're just not good players. Maybe there's talent to be had with the next scheme. And you could, I think Jeremy, you and I were talking about this in the post game. There's only so much of the scheme on both offense or defense that you can tear out in a given week and replace and have these guys practiced up on it and ready to go. And, you know, this, this firing came on, on a Saturday, they had to be ready by next Sunday. They had about like, you know, a week to practice, whatever new things they were going to do. I don't think, yeah, yeah. You're not going to change the entire scheme overnight. Like, I mean, plus it's Corey Unland. He came from yeah. the Patriot background. He's a Patricia guy. He, yeah, he wasn't yeah, going to yeah. change Un- anything. Unland, Unland, Unland was of Patricia's mind. Absolutely. Yeah, he was, he yeah. was subordinate there. Th- that's the disappointing part, though. It's just like, True. okay, cool. Corey Unland, like you're just a Patriots foot soldier. Sweet. Like that's all <laughs> you'll ever be. Like, congratulations. Like you're probably going to get a job coaching defensive back somewhere else. Have a good day. Yeah. Like with Daryl Bevel, I mean, I think he should view this as less of a. Uh, we'll, we'll get into this later in the third segment, so I'll, I'll yeah. save that little nugget. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I third segment, we are going to talk about, you know, there's been a lot made this week about Bevel and an open audition for what I won't say. Maybe it's for a head coach, be it here for the Lions or somewhere else or to be an offensive coordinator again, either in Detroit or somewhere else. And we're going to grade that and evaluate that. But I think we should evaluate some individual players because this is the time of year now for the Lions where you do need to keep your eye on individual players because that's all there really is. This felt good as a fan. This game felt I this is this is my big takeaway. As a fan, 
This is the kind of game I wanted. I, I I'm good for the rest of it. We can we can initiate tanking protocol or whatever. I, I kept a little bit of my pride here today. I saw so many Bears fans just kind of like lapping this up, even though they've been cratering and talking bad about Nagy, who I mean, the Lions might have just handed him his own termination papers, as far as we know. But I just I this felt this felt good. I saw some tanking people very mad about this. Uh, the Lions, I believe, are now 12th in the current draft order right now. Like, guys. It's cool. It's cool. And you know what? I will gladly take dropping a few positions in the draft for a little bit of satisfaction of beating the Bears. We're supposed to have rivals. We're supposed to have fun. And honest to God, felt good to kick around a Chicago team who, again, like we, we've talked about it, Ryan, so many dreams coming into this, so many elevated egos at five and one. And maybe they had a chance at five and six. The NFC wasn't completely out of the out of the reach for them. They could have gotten back to six a and game six. Out. A game out. They were a game out. Yeah. At Cardinals, you know. We're doing this the Lions again. are we're, a game out right now. The, the Lions are a game out right now. The, the third <laughs> wild card in the NFC is still. Yeah, I see. J- Ryan's going. Stop it. Stop it. No, I'm, no I'm, I agree. Yeah. I agree. But at six and six, they could have absolutely been in the in the, the hunt with oh, a couple of lucky breaks yeah. from the NFC West. I, I'm saying for the Bears at six and six, they could have been the hunt for the third wild card. Some lucky breaks, maybe the Cardinals trip up or something. And they could have, or they catch the Vikings. They could have been right there. Instead, you sh- Lions, Lions, you shut the casket. You close that off right there. They were reaching out from the dirt, and you threw the last shuffle on them. Yeah. I, 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 I'm happy about that. Me too. I mean, Team Tank can shut the hell up for a day. I'm sorry, like, totally. just give me this. Give me just this. Give us a week to celebrate a good win. To finally, I mean, a nine-game skid in division. You know how much that sucks on a week-to-week basis? A five-game losing streak to a Bears team that's never really been that good? All that sucks. And yes, the Lions probably lost out on maybe two, three playoff spots or um, draft spots in this win alone. You're right. Great. But guess what? It's all going to take care of itself. The Lions are going one in three at best over these last four games, which means they're still going to be picking in the top 10. They're, they're still, I mean... Daryl Bevel is still going to be two and three at best in these five games. He's not going to be the head coach. He might stick around as an offensive coordinator. Again, we're going to talk about all that. But like everything that people are up in arms, oh, the Lions are 12th now. Oh, Daryl Bevel's going to get the head coaching job. Relax. There's four more games left. Things are going to change, and they're not going to change for the better. They're going to lose a lot of games still. They're at best six and 10, top 10 pick. Relax. Just enjoy yeah, this, the, the, the moment for now, because guess what? We don't get to enjoy these very often. And this is also the NFL where like multiple positions are available to you in a draft. And, the, and let me t- let me tell you, folks, spoiler alert. The Lions are not one position away yes. from fixing it. They have they're going to have options in the middle of the first half of this draft in the in the top third of this draft. They will have options. You want to go edge rusher? You can get yourself an edge rusher. You got, you want to fix the back. You want to get a linebacker and try to fix that mess. Go right ahead. You, you have op. You want to get a wide receiver. You're worried about Kenny Galladay right there. You you're going to have at least three, four positions of need in the first round of this, of the NFL draft in 2021. Yeah. And the other thing too, is I watched college football on Saturday. No quarterbacks that you want that are no, that are within your quote unquote reach now. So team tank, it's just it's not fun. 
It's not fun. Yeah, listen, you're not you're not getting Trevor Lawrence, especially when the Jets are giving up probably the most bizarre Hail Mary with no <laughs> safety covering. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know that's not Lions, but I just that that was I we too we we were watching and we turned over to that game and I just couldn't believe what I saw in the last seconds there. But anyway, let's take a break. Yuck it up with a little bit of Twitch chat. You can watch us live on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit or on YouTube search pride of Detroit. We have chats going live on both those platforms now, and you can catch the replays on both those platforms after the fact. And of course, download the podcast, iTunes, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. get it wherever you can get podcasts. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, yeah, it's back. Penthouse Doghouse. And I think there's going to be one big name who's finally back in the in the penthouse life, in the sweet life of one. I'm not going to say Zach and Cody, but I don't want to also spoil the name either. You know who it is, though. We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast as we rumble along here. And guess what? Penthouse Doghouse, it's back, baby. It's good again. Where We're each going to give you one player that's moving on up to a deluxe apartment in the sky. And one guy that is getting kicked out and has to sleep with the dog, roll over little doggy. Yes, I'm referencing both a TV show theme and a George Thurgood and the Destroyers song in all of this. Uh, I am a completely washed. I am old. I am not afraid to admit it. I feel the cold hand of death passing upon me. Just even saying this, I am not cool at all. <laughs> anyway, let's move on from my existential crisis to who we thought performed well and who we thought did not perform very well in this game against the Chicago Bears. Uh, Can I please start on Penthouse? Please. With the most obvious one here. It's going to Matt's, the the big guy, Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford, it's been a couple of rough few weeks, but you know what? You got the keys back, man. You're ready to come back and crash once more. 
There's no way you're keeping you out of the doghouse. I mean, out of the penthouse after f- over 400 yards of offense on this Chicago Bears defense who had all of their weapons back. Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks. It didn't matter there. You weren't having the, the offensive line collapsing on you. You weren't stepping into the pocket as it was breaking down. Uh, you had the interception. Once again, we got to talk about the sidearm sling at some point, but it's too late for that. But you got other plays home. You knew where your weapons were. If anyone f- looked more revitalized by not having Matt Patricia around, I didn't know who they were because Matt Stafford was the one who looked the most revitalized. He played out of his mind. He had he knew that the offense was running through his hands, and he made the most of it. So Matt Stafford, you're in the penthouse, buddy. He just looks so damn comfortable in this game. I think the past three, four weeks, we kept noticing like he's holding on to the ball too long. He's going through all these reads. He just doesn't look like he's ever getting into a rhythm. He looked, he just looked so comfortable out there. Like he, like he was running the offense. Like it was his offensive game plan. Of course, he'll say, you know, this is kind of the same stuff we've always been running. We just, we just were clicking today or whatever. But like, no, this felt different. It felt like he was in his comfort zone. And he was slinging it all game. I think he overshot on a couple early. Like, here's the thing. He played so good in this game where, like, he missed on a couple deep shots to Marvin Jones early in the game. He had the bad interception that was partially just bad luck that a nose tackle somehow made a one-handed interception on him. But it all is is overlooked and, and easily brushed aside because everything else was perfect. That throw he made to Danny Amendola on that 96-yard drive where Amendola had to make a diving catch was centimeters, centimeters beyond a Bears defender. There was no window to be had. That was exactly where the ball had to be. And he put it there. And that was, I mean, that was just a microcosm of his day, I thought. Ryan, any thoughts, sir? Sta- Stafford up. Stafford, Stafford up. Staff Stafford up. Good. Someone's asking in the Twitch chat if these if Stafford ever has had a 400 yard game under Matty P. Uh I think last year against the Raiders before he broke his back. Yep, we looked that up, yeah, in our in our yeah. post-game show. Yep, just over 400 yep. yards. That's the only time, though. Yeah, that was the year again. Like, we were all thinking. That's why we all thought he was going to have an MVP year this year, because, like, he was bowling out in 2019. And yep. he just came back, looked at the loss. But this is some this is some vintage Stafford. Uncork it, let it breathe, and uh, enjoy. Uh, Ryan, uh, let, Ryan, Jeremy, who wants to do penthouse first? Too? I I'll, see Ryan kind of nodding. Yeah, I'll take it. And, uh, man. Get this guy like some nice slippers, get him a nice robe because it's the first time he's ever been up here. Nice little monogram, maybe even on the uh, on the old robe, on the old bathrobe. Matt (laughs) Nelson. Welcome to the the penthouse, baby. Now here, listen, listen here. Tyrell Crosby goes out of the game in the second quarter with an ankle injury. Matt Nelson comes in and do you know who he has to block? Khalil Mack. Do you know? You know, Khalil Mack had one sack that was taken away. But other than that, he was pretty much neutralized the entire game. Matt Nelson played defense at Iowa. And like not even was <laughs> he was a blip on the radar. He played five seasons. He finished his collegiate career with 111 tackles, 12 tackles for a loss, nine sacks. OK, like, I mean, over five years, 111 tackles. You're a good college player who played defense. Today in the NFL, you were a six foot eight guy who was in charge of keeping maybe the best pass rusher in football off of Matthew Stafford, and you did it. Welcome to the penthouse, buddy. Congratulations, Matt Nelson. The most Iowa name ever. 
<laughs> very I mean, yeah, very Iowa. You're, uh, I'm I'm stunned. Khalil Mack is not on the box score. Yeah, he's he zero tackle. He, he got ghosted. He got ghosted. What? He, he had crazy. one sack. He had that one sack that right. got called back because of a penalty. But like right. other than that, that's insane. That's and I mean, Matt Nelson, baby. That's Matt Nelson. I, I mean, I think Khalil Mack was obviously uh, on on Taylor Decker's side as well. Um, but yeah, I mean. You, you got to give him some credit. Stafford dropped back 42 times, only took two sacks, and those two sacks only lost him two yards. So, And and he was really airing the ball out, as you mentioned too, Jeremy. Yeah. Like These weren't like, you know, quick throws, quick reads or anything like that. Like the the offensive line, like Hank Fraley deserves all the credit in the world, I think. I mean, there there was one block that uh, our boy Jeff Schwartz put on his, uh, his Twitter of Frank Ragnow Frank absolutely Ragnall. burying a guy. Akeem Hicks, not <laughs> yes. a guy, Akeem Hicks. Uh, yeah, so a, a dude. He was a very a dude. So, I mean, a lot of credit to the offensive line. I'd like to put all of them up there, but I'm just putting Matt Nelson up there because he deserves I it. I think he's totemic of of the thing. I, I wanna, I'm really curious to see when snap count comes out because I guarantee you it wasn't this awful guard switching that we've been seeing under Patricia in the past few weeks. It, it probably was a full unit out there. I'm going to wager that right now. I yeah, could be I, wrong. No, I'm but pretty I, sure you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's good. As, as I've said, I've talked with former linemen like Lincoln Kennedy and like, they always say you, we we're a unit out there. You don't switch us out. We're not, you know, interchangeable pieces. I think today spoke to that. Maybe. I mean, I don't want to give too much credit to the offensive line because the running game was a disaster, but pass, pass, pass protection. But I'm also going to turn this around and give a compliment to the running game because guess who's in my penthouse adrian peterson i don't care mm. two touchdowns 100 or not 100 <laughs> 57 yards uh <laughs> 3.6 yards per carry but back at one interesting fact i just read on twitter this is the first time in adrian peterson's career that he's had back-to-back games with multiple rushing touchdowns huh that's insane <laughs> two rushing touchdowns and they were well-earned rushing touchdowns that that the game the go-ahead one was not I mean, that's classic Peterson, right? That's that's 2010 Peterson where he's plowing people over. He has like a fountain of youth. He works against the Chicago Bears. It's it's kind of remarkable. That last touchdown, was that the one where he got into the end zone and he spiked it so quick that I was like, hold on a second. Did he fumble that? Yeah. yeah. It's like, was that a fumble? (laughs) Clearly on the replay, like he was just in the end zone and knew it and then came down with the ball and spiked it. And I was like, he. Cool. He broke the plane and immediately spiked. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for hey, a guy that give it up I, for AD. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've dogged him all year and I'm a hundred percent guilty of it. And I'm maybe I should eat a little bit of crow. I mean, I still don't think he should be a feature back on this team, but I mean, he's, he's played well in these past two weeks and I think he deserves a little credit for again, not great. I think we're he's still under averaging well under four yards of carry, but this team wasn't good in the red zone. This team was trying to find an identity in the red zone for the first four, five, six, seven weeks of the season. And and now they kind of got one. They they didn't kick a field. They didn't attempt a field goal in this game because they were just putting up tutties. And a lot of the reason that Adrian Peterson, welcome to the penthouse. So real quick, honorable mention that we don't put in the penthouse. Do you guys mind if we give an extra penthouse out to Romeo Aquara? Please. He Yeah, he can hang out in the grotto. Yeah, no, he can he can chill. He can chill because like, man, you get probably one of the biggest defensive plays of the day and you get a sack on on 
Trubisky, but has there been a guy on this on this def- we keep talking about how bad how many pieces need to be replaced on the defense but Okwara I think has probably played himself into another short-term contract. Maybe not here but he he'll get he'll get yeah. some no, he'll get paid. somewhere. He'll yeah, definitely he'll I mean, he's, he's playing well enough to get paid. I mean that's that's the biggest bummer of all, right? Like the Lions have yeah. all these guys under contract on defense that they don't want and Romeo Okwara's one guy where like you might actually want to keep that guy around. And yeah. of course he has a big year in his contract year. Yeah. It's, it's like, he's, he's playing phenomenal. Like he's the one bright spot on the defense right now that I'm really enjoying. And we, we talk about him. It seems like every week, every other week or so, just every other week he comes up and he's making it's plays one out or there two for big you. plays and, and really providing consistent pressure. I don't know how good his pressure was for this entire game, but um, obviously came up with probably the biggest <laughs> yeah. play of the game. Got to yeah. make room for him in the penthouse. Yeah, absolutely. All right. What are we doing about the doghouse then? I have my doghouse guy. Let's go. Uh, he's definitely up there for uh, maybe one of the top three worst draft picks by Bob Quinn. Dang it. Oh, no. You're stealing mine. Carry on Johnson. Oh, that wasn't mine. Actually. Okay. That just shows you how many bus draft picks we have yeah. to deal yeah. with. <laughs> I like how Jeremy's like, he's taking mine. No, he's yep. not. Nope. Um, because that could probably that could probably go for quite a few people, um, quite a few players on this team. But carry on Johnson, just an absolute non-factor in this game. An absolute, I mean, no show, doesn't have it. It's it's clearly it's clearly the DeAndre Swift show in Detroit, like from here and moving forward, as long as that guy's healthy, he's clearly carved out the the lead back role. Hopefully even past this Adrian Peterson thing that kind of went on this week. Uh, If Swift is healthy, I want to see him for as much as he can be on the field for the rest of the way. I don't want to see the Lions like playing it safe with him or anything like that, because that's their guy. And it's pretty clear that carry on Johnson's not a guy. I wouldn't be surprised if carry on Johnson isn't on the team next year. Yeah. It just, it sucks that we're talking so soon after Amir Abdullah of another second round running back. We, we, we've, we've kind of known this for a little bit too, that this was probably going to be a Bob Quinn traded up to get. Yeah. It just, Yikes. it's, it's kind of just trying to dig yourself out of a hole. Hopefully Deandre Swift avoids this, his fate and comes back healthy and shows us that he's not going to be like Johnson or Abdullah. But I mean, at this point it feels particularly snake bitten at that position for young guys. Yeah. I mean, don't draft a running back in the second round. I've been saying it for five years. Um, yeah, it, it's a bummer. I mean, he's obviously a, a, an okay third down back when it comes to pass protection. And I, I think he's still a bit underutilized maybe in the receiving game on third downs, but yeah, I mean, Percent. at this point, at this point, you, you'd expect it if he was going to show anything, it would be during this era in which DeAndre Swift has been out and he hasn't. And that's that's a bummer. I mean, it, like, no, no clear sign that is coming towards the end of his Lions career. If Adrian Peterson is getting the nod instead of you, <clears throat> where there's smoke, there's fire, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeremy, who's in your doghouse? Well, it's uh, it's one of Bob Quinn's draft pick that could be, I think, maybe in his bottom three ever. Um Will Harris. Will freaking Harris. And I don't know how much he played in this game. It probably wasn't a ton. But when he was out there, he was certainly noticeable because the Bears pulled a play action uh, on a hurried play, and he was nowhere to be found 
near the guy he was guarding. He completely bit on the play action. And another guy who's like had all the opportunities in the world this season to step up and, and play in. A, I mean, they gave him a starting role to start the season and it didn't work and he lost it. And then and then you bring Tracy Walker in and he looks just as bad. And now Will Harris is starting to get more and more playing time. And it's just like the Lions can't catch a break with these safeties right now. None of them are playing well. And again, maybe at some point we'll have a longer conversation about whether it's the players that are screwing up or the coaches that put them in bad situations. But man, it's just such a, a depressing thing to see two third round safeties do nothing for this team right now. And yeah, Will Harris ends the day with two tackles. That's it. And and just like a completely blown coverage that that really gave the Bears a touchdown that I thought was going to give them the game. Yeah. Yeah, nothing to add to that. I, I, I'm struggling with my... I, I feel like you guys have gotten the two good ones for Doghouse. I can't... Is it right for me to put... I, I, I don't feel like I can put Everson Griffin in, in the Doghouse. Oh, he had, a, he had a sack. Yeah, he had a sack, he had but... I, I, um, I, why don't you put somebody else in the penthouse? I, I already put also... Um, I put two guys up there. I put oh. you know Stafford and, 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 uh, and Okwara, so... True. Oh, okay, how about can, can can we can we put Jesse James in the penthouse just so he can get a peek? <laughs> he he can he can come up. We he we can uh, he he can deliver pizza. I was gonna say like he should get something where at least he can like sit in line. Like he can be, <laughs> he can be in line outside of the club, but he can't actually get in. Yeah, yeah. He caught I a think, touchdown think... pass, Jesse James. Holy smokes! Where the hell did that come from? Yeah. Cephas finally being used properly too. Quintez Cephas. I mean, Cephas should get a lot of credit for that touchdown in general. I mean, great separation right there at the end. May have gotten away with a tiny bit of a push off, but um, you know, gonna, he, he, he was up against, that was their best corner, right? That was, let, uh, let me, what's his name? Fuller. I think that was Kyle Fuller. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's a hell of a, hell of a play by him. Let me put a citation, not enough to put anyone in a doghouse or a penthouse. I'm just asking someone to do a little bit of homework and I'm going to go out to TJ Hawkinson. Um, you don't need to fall down after catching a football. I'll just say, I, I just want to say that to him. I know that was like Jason Witten's thing, but Jason Witten also had like an extra hundred pounds on you or something like that. Like you don't need to fall down after catching a pass. I know like you like going up and beating guys over the top, but, uh, I mean, man, you, you had a productive day, but you'd be more productive with a little yak, a little yak in the step. Turning into a TJ Hawkinson hate podcast when he's literally he's leading not, the no, NFC in, in receiving yards. He's he's the leading he's N- NFC vote getter for the Pro Bowl. I'm just oh, saying. God, the Pro Bowl. Hitting his stride being more reliable than any tight end. This, are you this even allowed to ever seen? And y'all are pooping on him. Are you Whoa. even allowed to go to Hawaii right now? No, but you, you, I mean, it counts for your contract being the Pro Bowl, dude. I guess. But like, I don't know. I'm just saying he could be better. I'm just saying I'm giving some practice points here. Defend, the whole defensive line that's not Romeo Aquara gets, gets sent down to the doghouse. Yeah, I, I, I just kept looking around there. I wanted to do it with someone and I just couldn't. I just couldn't. <clears throat> Well, it brings a particular name. It brings me back to my most my, my <laughs> overall point of the game, and maybe it should have been my takeaway. I mentioned it in the post-game show. The Lions failed to establish the run. Lions failed to stop the run. And they won the game. See ya, Patricia. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we packed up. We did we're not putting Patricia in the doghouse. It's more like in Garfield. We packed him in the box. 
box it up, send it to Abu Dhabi. <laughs> to the normal treatment. Normal? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's wrap it up here. I think we're going to talk on the third segment of the podcast coming up here. We're going to talk a little bit about Daryl Bevel, because I think this game was about him in many ways, about his future, and about, I think, how some guys reacted on the sideline when they the Lions pulled off the improbable victory. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk Daryl Bevel, the man of the hour here, and his own uh, future with the Detroit Lions. Does he have one, even? We'll discuss that on the other side. And welcome back. We're wrapping up the Pride of Detroit POD cast here for your Bears-Lions game here in December to the 6th as the Lions defeat the Chicago Bears for the first time and feels like forever. But now we want to turn our attention to the man of the hour because after the Lions got that stop on fourth and one, after it was confirmed, you saw it on the sidelines. We all saw it on the sidelines. Jeremy Ryan up and down the sidelines, just slapping Daryl Bevel. So happy for him. So just feeling so good for a man. He looked happy there, too. That's not the kind of excitement we've seen in a while in Detroit for a coach, though. Yeah. And uh, you, you got to feel I mean, it's a great story. It's it's a guy who's obviously well liked in that locker room. It's a guy who's now well liked with by the media because he he had a fun week of press conferences where he was super humble. He was super he was personable. He was charged up. He was joking. He was talking about stuff where Matt Patricia would be like, you know what? I'm just focused on Chicago. Like instead, Bevel's talking about his haircut and his weird picture with with uh, I almost said Aaron Rodgers with Brett Favre. Um, He's just being personal and like everyone's just kind of having a good time right now. And so the Lions break a, a streak of, you know, losing four out of five. They beat a, a, a divisional foe for the first time in, in 10 tries. Yeah, people are going to be fun and excited. And it was just like a fun moment for sure. Yeah. So let me ask you then, though, because I think this game, I don't want to say this was like, I, I think I think one of the things Bevel at and his others have insinuated that this is kind of almost like an open audition for him. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think that means an open audition for the Lions head coaching job. Maybe he thinks so. I don't think it'll go to him by any stretch unless he just balls the hell out in the last few games, which I don't think any of us anticipate. So let me ask you then, I mean, cause it could be a, you know, audition for something else, probably, probably offensive coordinator, either in Detroit or somewhere else. So in that regard, a, how did you feel about the audition or how would you even define his audition right now? Or how you felt you feel about him after today? I mean, I, 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 I'm proud of him. I, I think he did a good job. I think, like I said, I, putting up as many points as they did, get, did and as many yards as they did against a good Bears defense on the road should be viewed as a pretty big accomplishment, especially for a first-time head coach, especially for a guy, you know, just taking things over with a ton of things on his plate in addition to play calling. Like, that's another thing you have to consider is that this guy was spending Sundays just play calling on the sidelines every week. Now he's doing that. He's deciding to go for it on fourth down. He's deciding, you know, you know, whether to punt, whether to kick a field goal, all those sorts of things that that 
you have to take on his extra responsibility for him to be able to do that, navigate a pretty good game plan against a bears team. It's worth a lot, but we don't need to be talking about these long-term plans of Daryl Bevel yet. This was, this was step one out of five. He's got four more games in which he's got to improve, prove himself and uh, against, you know, a couple of really good defenses there in Tennessee and, and Tampa Bay, uh, green Bay is going to be a tough test because they're going to have to, you know, it's going to be a shootout there against Aaron Rodgers, and, and the Vikings, a, a defense they haven't been able to figure out for years. So it's good start, but people thinking, but like, especially the alarmists that are like, wow, Daryl Bevel just won himself a head coaching job. The lines are screwed. Like relax. Now, you know what? Those are the same people that were pissed at all of us for all of a sudden, quote unquote, like anointing Robert Salah to be like the Lions next head coach. Like, (laughs) you know what? Those are the like there's a Venn diagram and those people exist in the middle. So um, I'm I'm optimistic about what Bevel did today. I'm not going to put all my eggs in one basket and say that he should be the offensive coordinator for whatever head coach takes over. And. That was kind of what I wanted to get to in the first segment when I alluded that I wanted to talk a little bit more about Bevel. It's that, like, I feel like Bevel, if anything, this is his audition to be an offensive coordinator again and to to do it here in Detroit. Like, I, I think that that's where you can really make your mark. I don't think Daryl Bevel is going to be considered to be the head coach. And I don't think he's, I don't think, I don't think any other teams around the league are watching to see if Daryl Bevel is going to be head coach material. I think that he's an offensive coordinator until he really starts to string some things together. And his, his newest task right now, Jeremy just laid it out like over these last few games, be the guy who's going to go up tempo, be the guy who's going to be, you know, even, even if you're going to now, here's the thing where he can, he can make some adjustments. I love the aggressiveness, and this is from a head coaching standpoint, to go for it on fourth and one on the opening drive. That's awesome. The play call sucked. I did not like the play call. It worked, though. It should have worked. It was there. But why are you putting it in Jamal Agnew's hands? That's fair. I mean, well, who do you want to put in their hands in that situation? That's why I'm like, call a different play. (laughs) Because, like, you don't have a a guy like, hey, you know who that should have been? Marvin Hall. (laughs) <laughs> and I understand like moving on from Marvin Hall and want to see what some other guys do, but like know your personnel. Like okay. you you have you have a converted cornerback who's making that play. Like you he has he, he better have showed you that he has the intuitiveness to take the corner and to not stop running. I mean, that was just a boneheaded play by Jamal Agnew. Yeah. But I, I like I like the aggressiveness of going forward on fourth and one. I like that he's he's willing to make that play call and to trust his offense. Like, that's awesome. That's great. Let's see more of that over these next few games. And I'll, I'll start to believe in Daryl Bevel maybe sticking around as an offensive coordinator. There's, there's two things I want to say really quick. One is that I still think Daryl Bevel probably gets a head coaching interview. I think, I, I mean, as that's a courtesy. Too, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think they'll, they'll take him seriously, but like that's base. I mean, they, they've, they essentially do that all the time. They did it with the defensive coordinator, Terrell Austin. Terrell Austin, yeah, they yeah. did it. Yeah. And so I wouldn't be surprised at all for him to get uh, a head coaching interview here, but I don't think he's going to win it. Yeah, just to be thorough, you know the guy. I would even say further, like he'll probably get some interviews other places too. Like I don't think we're ready for how many vacant head coaching positions they're going to be after this year. Could be I Anthony mean, Lynn. Anthony Lynn just gave, uh, just saw his team lay down in a 45 to nothing shutout against the Patriots. 
Matt Nagy. <laughs> Matt Nagy is spiraling into insanity. Patricia's already out the door. Gase is probably gone here soon, too. Uh, who knows what happens in Philadelphia with, with Doug Peterson? I don't think he's going to survive much longer. Uh, Falcons need to hire a new head coach. I mean, there there's a lot. I don't know what's going to happen in Denver. There's going to be a lot of openings. Daryl oh, Bevel might. Will. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, and maybe not as need- a head coach, but any of those people are going to need an offensive coordinator for their staff. Sure. That, that's why I said, like, I mean, I think he's truly auditioning to be an offensive coordinator somewhere. Bef- and, and then once he can string together a couple of good seasons somewhere, then maybe he can get some legitimate. Sure. You know, and, and and you know what? To be honest, like this, this audition right here, he gets to play head coach yeah. and other teams. Maybe if he makes a good impression as an offensive coordinator somewhere else, they look back and say, all right, you're an interim head coach and this is what you're able to do with the Lions, you know over their last few games of the 2020 season. The Dick Geron plan. Oh, God. <laughs> now, so, now I, I do want to address this because Chad is screaming at us. Yes, I don't think like he, he he's had some bad. He's had a bad resume to this point, given what how it ended with him in Seattle and in Minnesota, where he wasn't a great offensive coordinator. I think some guys can grow. And and listen, I think a lot of it's going to depend on these last few games, too, for the Lions, because there were definitely some up and downs with him as offensive coordinator here these last few these last two years with the Detroit Lions as well. Like the offense and but, you know, it's hard to untangle how much that was Patricia's. uh, Preference and how much was Bevel? Bevel ultimately has to implement whatever and you know we've had a lot the offense was not good for for this this start of the year and some of that does weigh on bevel but again this is a chance at redemption here with these games i feel like i'm not not redemption but at least to like show that it's an audition it really is yeah it, it is it, it absolutely is so i yeah and the the one thing that that i wanted to say about bevel is is not only that this is this is an audition for him but like I mean, I, again, and I mentioned this in the, in the post-game show, and maybe I'm getting too far ahead of myself, but if Robert Sala's the guy, they were both in Seattle. There's and a little me, bit of a connection. I mean, it, it's possible that he sticks around as offensive coordinator, and I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing, honestly. I mean, that's why we have to view his entire body of work, and we, we have to take everything that happened before today with a grain of salt. I mean, still consider it, but take it with a grain of salt. You have to consider that Matthew Stafford likes the guy a lot and let's see how he plays out in these final four games. That that's the, that's the other point I want to hit on is that he could be, he could remain the offensive coordinator in Detroit, maybe not for long-term, but we know how much Stafford has gotten tired of having to learn new offensive systems and learn new offensive coordinators and work with them. And listen, I, I hate to, I hate to read the writing on the wall, but Stafford is not going to have a much more of a long-term future in Detroit. That's just the reality of it at this point. It's hard to come into grasp with it. I'm already onto the stage of grief. That's acceptance. Like it, it's going to happen at some point. So maybe you keep Bevel around for one or two more years, however long Stafford wants to stay here, or if he, you trade him or let him go sign somewhere else, whatever you got to do. And then you can move on and like hire a new offensive coordinator. Maybe that's enough time for Bevel to turn that audition from offensive coordinator to build his resume into maybe taking a bite at the apple at a head coach somewhere too. It could be it could be beneficial from everyone because like 
as as we've talked about, this is going to unless there's a lot of talent just waiting under the crust of a lot of these guys here, there's going to be a few years of rebuild here. And that rebuild is probably not going to include Matthew Stafford in the long run. And so you can move on from your offensive coordinator a little bit later, but you can have a guy to shepherd that transition in in Daryl Bevel. That's kind of risky though, right? Like I think, yeah, I think, I mean, if, if I think they, they might see eye to eye philosophically if we're talking about Robert Sala, but whoever it is, I, there, there has to be a a philosophical connection there because I think, I think the lines did everyone a disservice. I mean, I, I kind of view it as the same time when, when Bob Quid kept Jim Caldwell around. Like, I think that did a disservice to everyone. Did a disservice to Jim Caldwell because he's now got a GM drafting guys he doesn't like. It was a disservice to Bob Quinn because he didn't bring in the kind of guys he was used to drafting to. So I think if you hold an offensive coordinator just kind of in this transition, you're not really doing anyone a favor. Like, you're I mean, doing maybe that was Jim Bob. Favor. To your point, to your point, I disagree with some of it, but I, to your point, they did keep around Jim Bob Cooter as well, too. Sure. And then he wore out his welcome very quickly, which is why, again, like, I don't want to get too high on Bevel or too low on Bevel. It's like, let's ride this whole five game thing out. Let's see how it happens, because we got really high on Jim Bob Cooter really, really quick. And then we soured on him almost immediately. And again, maybe, maybe that was more Matt Patricia because that that was his last year, right? Jim Bob Cooter was 2018, I think. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. It was the 2018 year. Uh, And uh, where is he now? He's running backs with the Jets. Cool. Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson. (laughs) Big day. Big day, baby. Uh, (laughs) I want to say that if you're looking for any team, and I know that, I know that people do this with the Lions every year, um, whether or not they want to like pick out for instance, like the 49ers blueprint to like how they, you know, rebuilt over a couple of seasons and all of a sudden they were, you know, in the Super Bowl NFC conference champions. I think you want to look at what the Carolina Panthers did. Like specifically, you know, maybe they bring in, you know, an offensive mind like Joe Brady or something. um, But they just absolutely went after the defense in the draft. Like that's where they knew they needed to allocate all of their resources. And yeah, the Panthers record isn't indicative of a team that had like an instant turnaround, but they've been snake bitten by injuries. And, you know, they, they moved on from Cam Newton and now they have Teddy Bridgewater and Christian McCaffrey's been injured all season. But I see like, like that could be like a legitimate pathway for the lions is to like, they have so much house cleaning to do on defense that the offense needs to get super creative while they have all of these, you know, resources that are kind of ephemeral. Like, I mean, Kenny Galladay might not be around next season. Danny Amendola might not be around next season. Marvin Jones might not be around next like season. Like, I mean, there are a lot of question marks on offense, but one of those question marks might not be Matthew Stafford. It might be Matthew Stafford, but I just don't know how much a new head coach wants to completely revamp that entire offense when the defense needs so much attention. Like yeah. if, if I, if I'm a head coach or if I'm a GM, the, 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 the house is on fire and the defense is the house. Like I am not worried about putting out the fire that's on the lawn. Like <laughs> l- let's keep Matthew Stafford so, for a little while longer. So what I'm hearing is you want a guy like Matt rule who took a group of five school with not a lot of history. Don't do this. And got them very good. And then Don't went to a power five school in the midst of rebuilding and brought them back. And he has to also be an offensive mind. 
and fairly young. I've got a guy for you down in Oxford, Mississippi. Stop it. You guys think I'm crazy about this. I'm not. Yes. He's going to get an he's going to get an NFL coaching job. I thought and you were about to good. sell me. I thought you were about to sell me on Matt Campbell. And I was like, dude, I'm already no. sold. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Everyone's crazy. Thinks I, listen, man, I. OK, I, this isn't the place for it, but I will convince you one of these days. I will convince other people off stream about Lane Kiffin one of these days. Are we just going to have to have like a minute segment every week of you talking about Lane Kiffin and just like no. have a theme song and everything so everyone can just hit the 30 second Kiffin talk? Forward button Kiffin toys? talk. <laughs> It, it, should, it should be it should be called stay in your lane. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think it's a hot take. I'm I think I'm being analytical about it's it. It's hotter but, than it's hotter than the house that's on fire in my analogy, Chris. <laughs> if we're being completely honest. <laughs> I'll address some of chat screaming at me again here in a, after the after it because I don't want to derail this with Kiffin talk. I want to get uh talking about Bevel. So what, what what can Bevel show you in the remaining games? What what are you going to be looking forward to? The, what are you going to be looking for the most, Jeremy, out of what the Lions do under Daryl Bevel as their interim head coach? It's actually it's actually very simple for me. It's what he does with DeAndre Swift. I felt like he was completely underutilized for the first ten weeks of the season. We just kind of saw the tip of the iceberg in his first start a couple of weeks ago. Um, throw him into the offense and I want to see what happens. There should be fireworks. And I, I realize again, it's a tough schedule going forward. Um, Packers defense isn't that good though. I feel like next week you could really get yourself into a shootout and maybe contend with the Packers for a few quarters, probably not going to win that ball game considering how well they're rolling on offense and how poor the lines defense is. Um, but yeah, I need to see some, some swift fireworks. I want him, I want him as the centerpiece. I want him, but I want him by week 17 to legitimately be in the offensive rookie of the year conversation. That's how good I think he has the potential to be, especially with all. I mean, look at today. Look at how the offense was rolling. You throw Swift into that like. You got a good you got a good stew going there, baby. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say for me. I just want to see more of what he did with Stafford today. Like, I want to see more downfield passing attack. And, you know, if Swift comes back, I would love for Swift to be a part of the passing attack, too. So I think what Jeremy's looking for out of Bevel is something that is also on a lot of Lions fans' minds. But I want to see him just let Stafford... I don't want to say it, but I just want to... I just want... Cook! Don't do it. Uh, Cook! Let him cook. Let, let Stafford, Stafford let shirts Stafford, available now. Hold let on, Stafford that, operate heavy machinery. <laughs> the thing is, is like I, I feel like they cursed Russell Wilson because the Seahawks offense scored four touchdowns in each of its first eight games this season. And then the Seahawks offense has scored a total of seven touchdowns in its past four games. So I just don't want to curse Matthew Stafford with that awful hashtag. But for Daryl Bevel, I want to see him air it out. I want to see him take shots downfield and let Stafford do that cook. Cook. stuff. Cook. No. Let him cook. Perform open heart surgery. Shoot. I lost. The, hold on. Where's no, my... There we go. Okay, we're back. Sorry. Okay. Well, you're doing stuff on Twitch now, but I think we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, we, we are over. We are out of time here. We have to deal with some of the fires that are going around here, but final note from all of us, we own the Bears. That's it. Plenty, plenty to look forward to left in the season. We are going to talk in a future podcast about general manager options. I know people are requesting that from us after we did our head coaching list cast. 
Ryan, in the meantime, you should go check out Ryan's article on prideofdetroit.com. Ryan put out something with some of his top general manager picks, and we'll absolutely be referencing that in our next general manager podcast, which will probably happen once the Lions take an L somewhere here. But we'll also keep breaking down some of the players, but we're not going to try to retread ground too much. I know you guys are ready to move towards the future. We are too. But uh, for myself, for Jeremy Reisman, for Ryan Matthews, download the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. And as always, I am Christopher Fett, and I say to you, I will see you starside.